So last week, we began our summer sermon series in the book of Proverbs, and we started by talking about the blessing of wisdom. So the, the, the worth of wisdom, the power and the beauty of wisdom, and that God's word calls us to pursue wisdom because of its worth. And this week, we're going to kind of do a part two in, in looking at the nature of wisdom. You see, for, for many of us, when we think of wisdom, we sort of have this conceptual idea that, hey, wisdom is about making good decisions and being successful in life. And so what we end up doing is we reduce wisdom to just a matter of information. Hey, if I'm going to walk in wisdom, I just need some more facts. I need some more data. But what Scripture teaches us is that wisdom is primarily a matter of the heart, not the head. And it's, so it's easy for us to reduce wisdom to knowledge rather than seeing that what God's Word's calling you to, what wisdom's voice calls you to, is something much deeper. And so in Proverbs 9, we hear two voices calling us, the voice of wisdom and the voice of folly. And make no mistake, they are calling to your minds. They are appealing to your intellect, but it's digging down much deeper to your heart. And so what we're going to consider this morning are some heart issues. Wisdom and folly call to your heart because as Proverbs 4.23 tells us, from the heart flow the matters of life. If wisdom has your heart then out of your life will flow wisdom. But if folly, if foolishness has your heart, then out of your life is going to be a whole rack of foolishness. And so we're going to reflect on the voice of wisdom and how it wants to shape our heart in contrast to the voice of folly. And so there are four things that I want to look at this morning, primarily from Proverbs 9, related to the call of wisdom and how wisdom wants to shape our heart. So the first thing is that wisdom calls your heart to desire life. In Proverbs 9, 1 through 6, wisdom is depicted as this noble woman who is working hard to build a home and throw this incredible party. Here's what the verses said. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Now, the imagery here is important. So this kind of set the stage of the picture here that Proverbs is painting for us. So wisdom is at work to build this great house. Now, in ancient Israel, a typical great house had three pillars, And so wisdom's house far exceeds that. Here is a seven-pillar house, something that's going to grab your attention. And the way that these houses would be built, so the the pillars would kind of be at the front, and you'd walk through these pillars into this great courtyard where feasts and celebrations and gatherings would be held. And so the picture here is walking into this great stately structure, beautiful marble stone carvings, expert, skilled craftsmanship. It's made to give you the sense of awe and wonder of, hey, there's going to be something big going down here. There's something important. This is going to be one heck of a party that's going to be thrown here. But it's not just the environment. It's not just the, the, the structure, the place that the party is in. The food here is going to be amazing as well. Wisdom has prepared the finest meats, the finest food, mixed the best wine. This isn't ballpark hot dogs and Kool-Aid. I mean, this is food that is meant to tantalize your taste buds, to give you that soul satisfaction, heart-singing joy when you eat it. 
And so the picture here, the metaphor here, is of a party whose greatness and location and and the environment, the, the skilled craftsmanship and the beautiful structure, along with the wonderful food that is being provided, is meant to lift your heart, lift your affections, cause you to desire the finer and greater things in life. And wisdom and all its beauty and all its power and all its greatness is meant to lift your affections for the greater spiritual truths. Wisdom calls you to a feast. Eat of my food, drink of my wine, and experience life to the fullest so that you desire life. This party is meant to change your appetite, to lift your affections for things that are greater. I'll leave your simple ways. Ditch the hot dogs and Kool-Aid and come experience real life. In contrast to this glorious party that wisdom is throwing, look at the party folly and foolishness is throwing. The woman folly is loud. She's seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by. Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. So you have the noble woman, Wisdom, who's been working hard to build this wonderful house and craft this amazing meal. Folly, on the other hand, is a loud, obnoxious, lazy woman who sits on her porch, posturing like she's somebody special. Hey, come and party with me here. This stolen water and secret bread is the enticement of illicit pleasure. It's, it's the idea, hey, this is going to be more fun if we do it in secret. And isn't that sort of how our hearts can be? Like the, the excitement of doing things we know we shouldn't, the, the temptation of having the things that we shouldn't. So folly is sort of appealing to that sense of our hearts. And in this metaphor of stolen water and secret bread, there's a larger principle being revealed here. Look, water and bread are common food. They're they're not the fullness and the richness of food and drink that you can experience. I mean, when's the last time you threw this great party, invited all your closest friends to have this great time and say, hey, the main course is water and bread? Okay, cool. (laughs) Must be some great water. The idea here is that what folly is offering is cheap, it's shallow. It's not the fullness and the richness of life. Sure, folly's posturing. Folly wants you to think that this party is off the chain, that this party is legit, that this is the party you want to be at. But when you get there, what is offered is a cheap substitute. Look, the party folly is throwing is like a high school kegger. Hey, look at us. We got some college students to buy us cheap beer. Our friend, friends brought the Doritos and the Hot Pockets. We're something special. Look at us, all grown up. We don't need adults. This is where it's at. Apologize for the triteness of the analogy, but, but we need the, the bluntness of this passage to hit us. Like, this is what we settle for when we listen to the voice of folly. We settle for things that aren't life. Wisdom calls us to desire life in all its richness and fullness. Now, we think we're chasing after life when we listen to the voice of folly. But this is the life folly calls us to, an empty, shallow, self-indulgent, self-deceiving, self-destructive, soul-shrinking life. As verse 18 says, it leads us to death and destruction. 
Wisdom is calling us to something so much more. Now, we hold up these two voices, hold up these two pictures, folly and wisdom. And of course, we're going to say, well, of course I want to go to the good party. Nobody really admits that they want to go to the kegger and they prefer the kegger. But let's be honest with ourselves. Wisdom is defined by what she desires. What is it that you desire? What is it that you're truly after? What is it your heart truly longs for? Are your desires being shaped by wisdom or are they being shaped by folly? Is your spiritual desires, are your spiritual taste buds, so to speak, hungry for what is good and beautiful, what is full of depth and truth, what gives real life to your soul? Or are you hungry for the spiritual equivalent of a high school party? Now think about this, like with your relationships, like with your friendships, do you desire like deep love and intimacy? Like that, that vulnerability that comes from opening your life up to somebody, that unity and that commitment that transcends things like class and race and political party and stupid preferences. Like, is that what your heart really desires, to have that kind of friendship and relationship? Or are you settling with something shallow, superficial friendships? Man, I know a lot of people, but I don't go deep with anyone. All all my friendships are about me and my selfish desires and making me feel good, and I can comfortably stay in the bubble of preferences. With your work, how do you desire that your work would put the kingdom of God on display? that you would use your work to serve and love others, that you would cultivate that piece of creation that God has given you? Or are you settling merely for building your own kingdom, to work for your own wealth and status and comfort? How with your money? Is your deep desire, your real desire to use that blessing and receive it as a stewardship from the Lord that you take care of so that you can go and bless other people? Or are you settling just for merely earthly gain that's going to pass away and rust and decay and temporary earthly comfort that can't be held on to? Wisdom is defined by her desires. Wisdom calls you to life. Are you listening? Are you responding? Is wisdom shaping your desires? And any time we're pursuing wisdom, when we get into all of these particular issues that we're going to apply it to in the coming weeks, The question we have to keep asking ourselves is, what do I desire? At the heart of this, what is it that I desire, and is wisdom shaping that? When we're caring for one another, when we're discipling one another, when we're entering into each other's lives, we need to be asking each other this question, hey, what is it that you desire? When you're trying to walk in wisdom, can you identify what you're desiring, and is wisdom shaping that desire? So wisdom calls us to life. Wisdom is defined by what she desires, so let's listen to Lady Wisdom's call and feast on the riches of life that wisdom offers. So wisdom calls us to life. Second, wisdom calls you, calls us to humility. Proverbs 3, 9, 3 through 6. She, meaning wisdom, has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come Eat of my bread, drink of the wine I have mixed, leave your simple ways and live, and walk in the way of insight. Wisdom calls the simple, the ones who lack insight, to respond. You have to identify yourself as simple. 
Now, let's say you're, you're walking in the mall or walking in, a, in an arena or stadium and you hear people's names being called over the loudspeaker. And if you hear a name that isn't yours, you don't respond. You're like, I don't identify with that name, so I'm not responding. But if you hear your name called, you respond. You go to the place that you're being called to. Wisdom stands out calling, hey, simple, turn in here. Hey, those of you who lack insight and discernment, come to my party. When wisdom calls, simple, come. Do you say, hey, that's me? I I hear you, wisdom. Where's the party at? Do you identify as simple? Do you identify as one who lacks wisdom and needs discernment? Oh, that's an incredibly humbling thing. That is a humbling thing to have to admit to say, yeah, I'm simple. There are some ways that I am very simple. There are some ways that I lack discernment and wisdom and insights, and I need to listen to wisdom. Look, there's a lot of things that you could call me, and it, and it kind of hurt my feelings, but not really do deep damage. Like, you could call me awkward. You could call me shy. You could say I have a bad taste in music and movies. Man, but if you call me simple, I'm going to be honest, that'll crush me. Like, I don't want to be thought of as simple. I don't want to be thought of as lacking discernment and wisdom. For, for, for that to happen, for me to acknowledge that is going to kind of crush this facade that I've put up, that I want you all to see me as wise. And I don't think I'm the only one. How many of you in here would agree you would struggle with that? If someone were to say, hey, you're simple, for you to have to acknowledge that would be hard because you don't want to have to break that illusion. But to acknowledge that we're simple, to acknowledge that we lack wisdom, to acknowledge that we lack insight and discernment, this is the first step towards wisdom. To acknowledge our weakness, to acknowledge our need, to acknowledge our lack, that's the first step towards wisdom. If we are going to walk in wisdom, our hearts must be humble. Now, Proverbs contrasts the humble heart of the wise with the foolish heart of the scoffer. Here's how William McCain in his commentary on Proverbs describes the scoffer. He who wears a perpetual sneer, who is himself incapable of deep loyalty and reverence, and who supposes that it is his mission in life to promote the corrosion of the values by which individuals in society live. He is the person with the knowing wink and clever phrase who has seen through the hollowness of everything. Maybe you know people like this. You know people who reject and even mock all counsel, all truth, all pieces of supposed wisdom. They think they know better than everyone. They tear down everyone else's beliefs, but they themselves are above correction. This is the heart of a scoffer. This is the heart of a fool. Proverbs 9 through 7 contrasts how how the wise and how the scoffer actually respond to counsel. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. Here's how scoffers respond to wisdom. Hey, how dare you call me simple? Who do you think you are? You think you're better than me? Who gave you the rights to call me simple? I didn't ask for your help. I can do this on my own. Thank you very much. That is the heart of a scoffer, stiff-arming and even mocking counsel and wisdom and instruction. In contrast, the wise 
they humbly receive teaching. The wise are those who are humble in hearts, the ones who acknowledge that they are simple, the ones that they acknowledge that they lack insight and wisdom, and here's what actually happens. They grow out of it. They actually become wise because they're humble enough to learn. So the question for us, is our hearts humble? Is your heart humble to receive correction and instruction and wisdom? Do you respond to the call of wisdom with a heart of humility? Or do you stiff arm and reject wisdom's call? Now some of you, you are dangerous. I'm just going to be honest. I say this with all love. You're dangerous because all counsel and all wisdom that comes your way, you stiff arm it violently. You, you refuse to listen. If someone tries to step in and love you and care for you and give you correction and wisdom, your response is abuse and harm. You make people who want to love you in that way, you make their life difficult and painful. And again, I love you, but you are on a dangerous path. That path ends in ruin and destruction. And so I pray that the Lord's word this morning would bring conviction and that your heart would become humble before him. Now, others of you, you're not that outward with your scoffing. You're not that combative with your scoffing. But so often we still have the heart of a scoffer. We still stiff arm wisdom. We, we still reject counsel. For, for some of us, this is the way it plays out. I don't ever ask anybody anything. I don't ask for help. I don't ask for counsel. I don't seek it out. I don't go to the Lord for wisdom. I don't go to other people for wisdom. Others of you, the way that this plays out is in the way that you sort of posture yourself as asking for wisdom, but you never actually listen. And this is a subtle one. Like, you can look like you're asking for wisdom. You can act like you want wisdom, but when it comes to it, you never actually follow anybody else's counsel. You only listen to the voice inside your head. And the scary thing is, is that the wisdom that you claim to walk in is not biblical. It's of your own design. And here's what is especially scary in the church, is that there's so many in the church exist here. Oh, they say they desire biblical wisdom, but they chase it at a very superficial level. They, they say they may desire wisdom, but when it really comes down to it, wisdom doesn't have their hearts. They don't desire to really walk in the deep, life-giving wisdom of Scripture. They don't ever posture themselves in community to receive the counsel and instruction and wisdom of the church. They keep things shallow and superficial, and this takes people into such a dangerous and destructive place. Listen to how one blog commentator describes his experience in church with people who treat wisdom this way. I live in an upper class suburb surrounded by a great deal of kind, responsible religious people. They speak often of God's potential for their lives and often relate the gospel with self-made material success. Many of them attend my Episcopal church and at times I have found myself sitting in the pews thinking the words of this prayer book about sin, sickness, powerlessness, death, propitiation, justification, and resurrection don't make sense at all to these people. They're not perfect but they're doing just fine. And then a few days later, I spend time with their kids and realize they have parents who are dying, who are unflinchingly racist, who are openly cheating one another, and who are addicted to alcohol and or cocaine. And that's just the obvious stuff. 
But everyone comes to church with smiling faces. It's weird, you know? No kidding, it's weird. It's weird, but there's this massive disconnect of foolishness. This is what pride and scoffing creates in you, a superficial spirituality and rank hypocrisy. And you might not be in this extreme of a place, but if you are not posturing yourself in humility, if you're not seeking counsel, if you're not walking in such a way to say, yes, I am simple and I need greater discernment, I need greater wisdom, I need the Lord and I need other people, then you are existing in this way in some level. You're staying at a superficial level and you are in danger of becoming a hypocrite. And so if this is you, the Lord calls you this morning to walk in humility. Hear the voice of wisdom and walk in humility. Here's another way that we can be scoffers. By not being patient with the process it takes to actually gain wisdom. Like true, biblical, godly, deep wisdom doesn't just come by snapping your fingers. It doesn't just come by reading one book and saying, hey, I got it. It takes time. And if we can be perfectly honest, it actually takes pain and trial and suffering. Like wisdom is hard fought. It doesn't come easy. But too often, we stiff arm all that. We, we, we push away trial. We push away suffering. We push away the, the hard things of life that are meant to train us in wisdom. How we can get bitter towards circumstances and other people and God. But here's what we miss. Church, here's what we miss. We miss the beautiful thing that God is up to. In the furnace of your trial and your struggle and your suffering, God is producing wisdom in you. He is wanting to bring you to a place of humility so he can transform you into someone who is truly wise. And so wisdom's voice is calling you to be humble and it's calling you to lean in to the process. Lean into the trial, lean into the struggle because that is where wisdom is born. So I remember when I first entered into full-time ministry, so it's going on six years or so. And I started as an intern out in our church in Arlington, Virginia. And, and let me just tell you, when I first started, I had this, I, I would tell Mindy and I'd tell my friends, I kind of had this sense that my legs always felt like rubber, spiritually speaking. I never felt like I was in a place of strength, never felt like I could get my feet underneath me. It was just one thing after another, after another, after another. I felt like a fool. I felt like an idiot. I felt incompetent. I felt spiritually immature over and over and over and over again, and I wanted to quit. I wanted to run. But I'm thankful that the Lord, through his word, the Lord, through friends, the Lord, through others, spoke and said, hey, lean into it. Let the process play out. Let the process have its work. The Lord is using it, and he's changing you, and he's transforming you. And I'm nowhere near the wisdom that I know I need. But I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for other instances in my life where, where the Lord just said, stay with it. And there were friends that surrounded me and said, stay with it. So if that is you, if you're in a place of trial, if you're in a place of struggle right now, and you, everything in you wants to quit, wants to bail, wants to shut people out, here's the call of wisdom. Humble yourself. Lean in. Let the Lord do his work because he's doing something beautiful and amazing in you. He's after you becoming a wise person. 
He wants you to walk in discernment. He wants you to walk in insight. He wants you to walk in wisdom. Be patient with the process. And one final thing here to mention regarding being a scoffer. Shame. Do you know your shame can cause you to be a scoffer? Because our shame will, will say, hey, I, I don't want to acknowledge that I'm, I'm not wise. I, I don't want to acknowledge that I, I lack insight and wisdom. It's shameful for me. It's hard for me to acknowledge that because all my imperfections, all the, the ugliness inside me kind of comes out. And so I start walling people off. I start walling things off, circumstances off. Don't let your shame lead you to pride. Don't let your shame cause you to be a scoffer because here's the great news for you. The voice of wisdom is a voice of love. The voice of wisdom compassionately calls you. Proverbs never shames the simple in and of itself. Wisdom calls you out and says, hey, simple, come to my feast. I prepared a feast for you. This is love. This is compassion. God's word calls you to become wise. The, the, the desire of God is that you be wise. Don't hear shame in the call of wisdom. The rebuke, the, the, the judgment, the actual shame is towards those who are prideful, towards those who stiff-arm wisdom, to those who reject counsel, but to the humble, there's grace and mercy. There's love and compassion. There is a feast of life for you. So don't let your shame cause you to be a scoffer. So the third thing that wisdom calls us to is commitment. And this is a short, brief point, but it's an important corollary to humility. So Proverbs 9, 6, again, says, leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. So within the, the meaning of the word simple in, in the Hebrew and in the context of Proverbs, one of the characteristics of simple is open-minded in a bad way meaning someone who can never really come to a conclusion about what is right and wrong, what is wisdom and what is not. So someone who believes one thing one day and then switches to something else another day and switches to something else another day. You know, and some people, they like to hang out here. Some people fancy themselves open-minded in a way that, hey, everybody else has their opinions and their convictions, but I'm up here. I don't really commit. I don't let anybody nail me down. I, I, I go wherever I want. You know, People like that, they, they, they often know a lot of facts that they can tell you about little, you know, different belief systems and different ideas, and, and often they have thoughts and opinion, but, but can we be honest? It's usually a mile wide and an inch deep. Are, are those the kind of people you really go to wisdom for? I mean, in, in all love and humility and respect, are those the kind of people that you think, man, they're wise, for, for being that open-minded, for, for believing one thing one day and believing something else the other day and believing something else next week. If that's you, can, can I lovingly push on you this morning? Can, can, can I just sort of nudge you to say, hey, there's something going on. There, there is a, a spiritual and intellectual and emotional immaturity and foolishness that the Lord is calling you to sort out, that the book of Proverbs is calling you to, to deal with and to face. Perhaps there's some pain there. Maybe, maybe there's something that happened. You know, some of us have come from, from kind of fundamentalist backgrounds where we were in a church environment and a family environment where, where truth was sort of wielded with an iron fist. And so any notion of truth causes us to kind of like get, get weird because we're thinking, oh man, that, that leads to like harshness. God's calling you to deal with that, sort that, to work through that. Because here's the thing, wisdom leads to discernment. 
True wisdom leads to insight. It allows you to distinguish between good and evil. And the depth of soul, the depth of character that you need requires that you commit to truth, commit to wisdom. So wisdom calls you to commit to what is true and to good and what is beautiful. Leave your simple ways, move past that back and forth and back and forth that gets you nowhere and actually keeps you from true wisdom. Leave your simple ways, commit to wisdom and experience that life. So wisdom calls us to life, wisdom calls us to humility, wisdom calls us to commitment, and finally, wisdom calls you, calls me to the cross. The mistake we can so easily make is this. In all this talk of wisdom, we hear this call, do better and try harder. And that would be a mistake. At best, that would be to miss the point. At worst, that would be to listen to the voice of folly. Because here's what folly wants to tell you. Folly wants you to believe that the path to wisdom is through your own efforts, your own power, your own intellect, your own ability. Folly is going to tell you, hey, you're not that bad off. Sure, life is perfect, but you're doing fine. Keep chasing down your desires. Keep going after those wants and those needs and that happiness. You'll get there. You'll be fine. You're enough. Really, what you need is just another life hack and a spiritual pep talk to kind of get you over that hump. The voice of wisdom is far different. Wisdom calls your heart, but wisdom knows that your heart, my heart, in and of themselves are actually bent away from wisdom. Our hearts are enslaved to folly. Our hearts are enslaved to sin. They're bent away from the Lord as the source of wisdom. Our hearts are bent towards sin and selfishness and indulgence. Our hearts are prideful, not humble. We chase after lesser things that are not life. Our hearts don't want to commit to truth and wisdom because then we would have to submit to truth and wisdom. And because our hearts are sinful and bent away from wisdom, here's the the blunt truth. Our efforts, our ability, our power are going to be fruitless. They're going to get us nowhere. Like as I said last week, for all our wisdom, look at the mess that we have made. For all our wisdom, look at the mess in our political system. For all our wisdom, look at the mess in our educational system. And all our wisdom, look at the mess in our relationships. Our own efforts, our own power, our own intellect, really? Our wisdom calls us to something else because wisdom says, hey, you need rescue. You need redemption. You need salvation. You need somebody else to come in and save you from your own wisdom, your own power, your own intellect, your own efforts. And this is the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that there is something better than our wisdom, something better than our effort, something better than our power and our ability. Because in the gospel, we see another contrast between wisdom and folly. This is what the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 18, 30 through 31. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And in verses 30 and 31, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast 
in the Lord. Look, if you are depending upon yourself, if you are depending upon your own ability, your own wisdom, your own efforts, your own intellect, the cross of Jesus Christ will be foolishness to you. It will be foolish to say, you're not enough. It will be foolishness to hear that you can't fix it, that you're not going to get there. It will be foolish to hear that you need a savior, that you're shot through with sin. All of that is going to be foolishness. The idea that God stepped from heaven and died in your place to pay for your sin is going to seem foolish to you. But for those of you that recognize, I need a savior, I need rescue, I need redemption, I need somebody to come in and fix this mess that I've made. My ability isn't cutting it. My power isn't cutting it. My intellect isn't cutting it. Oh, the cross of Christ is going to be life to you. It's going to be power to you. It's going to be wisdom to you. Wisdom will always call you to the cross of Christ. If the voice you are following, the voice you are hearing is not leading you to the cross of Christ, it's not the voice of wisdom. And this is good news for us. The gospel holds out good news for you. Because as 1 Corinthians 30 and 31 say, in Christ, by the grace of God, Jesus becomes your wisdom. Not your own wisdom that you have to make up and figure out on your own, but Jesus becomes your teacher. He becomes the one that leads you in all wisdom. He holds out that life for you and says, follow me. Jesus becomes your righteousness. Look, you don't have to earn this. You don't have to chase wisdom down in some way to earn acceptance with people and with God. No, through Jesus Christ, you are accepted. You have the righteousness of Christ, and so you chase down wisdom to become more like Jesus, to experience more of life. It isn't about earning. And praise God, through Jesus Christ, he's your sanctification. God is at work in you. God is transforming you. God is changing you from a selfish, unwise, simple, undiscerning, lacking insight person into someone who walks in humility, walks in wisdom, walks in insight. And that's the power of God in you. You're not on your own. It's not up to you. You don't have to muscle up the own, your own strength. Christ is at work, and here's the beautiful thing. Christ is your redemption. Here's what this means. All that brokenness, all that pain, all that sin, all that struggle, it's moving towards a glorious end. It's moving towards a day where Christ will fully restore you, who will fully complete that work of wisdom in you. And so you hold on to that hope of redemption through Jesus Christ. It isn't your own intellect that's going to get you there. It isn't your own power that's going to get you there. It's Jesus Christ who's going to get you there. And he holds out that hope and that promise. And this is good news to those of us who walk in humility and recognize we need saving. We need redemption. And so church, in the weeks to come, as we turn our attention to actually applying wisdom to specific issues, may we always have in front of us that pursuing wisdom, that walking in wisdom is a matter of our hearts. It's a matter of our hearts being transformed by Christ, hearts being more and more in love with Christ. So let's desire Jesus. Let's desire life. Let us walk in humility that he may teach us and transform us. Let's commit to Jesus who is truth. And all of our failure, all of our brokenness, all of our sin, all of our folly, all of our simpleness, all let's bring to the cross of Christ 
and experience redemption and forgiveness and salvation and freedom. This gives us hope. For the things that we are going to consider in the weeks to come, Jesus holds out hope that he is at work in us to make us wise. And so let's walk in the wisdom that he provides. Amen.